Hi, I'm John Rogers. I created the show Leverage and wrote Transformers, and you're listening to Genretainment. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Genretainment at SciFiPulseRadio.com. I'm your host, Marks. Uh, Julie won't be able to join us for this episode, but she'll be back next time. So, in case you haven't heard the show before, Genretainment is where we talk about what is happening in the world of film, TV, books, and web series. We give you interviews with writers, directors, producers, and actors in both independent and not-so-independent creations. Today is episode 118, which is a special festival episode. I got back from ITV Fest a few days ago, where I did one of four presentations in IWTV producer prep panel track. I covered the state of the industry and tips and tricks used by successful web series. Uh, other topics we covered in the track include negotiations, starting a business, and finance and legal information. The presentations went really well, and, and I really, really enjoyed the festival. You know, ITV Fest is, is sort of a Sundance for independent television. It's up in Dover, Vermont, and we were surrounded by mountains and trees, just shifting colors for the fall season, so it was really, really beautiful out there. I met so many talented series creators and filmmakers. I uh, made uh, you know a few new friends over the week for sure, and it's truly a unique experience, and hopefully I'll get to do it again next year. At the festival, I snagged 10 mini-interviews. Now, they're all live, and the locations were random, so I will warn you that a few of them have strong wind or background noise. But I hope you enjoy this snippet of audio from ITV Vest, and we'll be back to our regular, non-windy <laughs> episodes of Genretainment next time. But before we get started with those interviews, I should point out that the music you just heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song from our web series, Reality on Demand, a song composed and performed by our friend T. Sean Hardy. You can find that web series at realityondemandseries.com. Also, the snippet of music you're going to hear just in a moment, right before the interviews, and at the end of the interviews, from the series Ghost Light, which is one of the interviews, so you'll learn all about that show. Now, let's get started with those interviews. Hey guys, this is Marks up at ITV Fest, and today I'm with Carl Kensler, Christopher Gerson, Lynn Rosen, from the show Darwin the Series. Okay, can you tell everybody a little bit about the show? Go ahead. Uh, to, uh, Darwin the Series, it's uh, uh, the story of Leo Darwin, who is a life coach whose life is falling apart. He has uh, a thriving practice, a beautiful wife and child at home. And, uh, but in reality, his practice is failing. His wife uh, is extremely unhappy and is quite possibly a kleptomaniac, and his six-month-old baby doesn't have a name yet. <laughs> is that pretty much That's pretty good. That's a good slug line. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm... And it's a comedy. And it's a comedy. And it's a comedy. That's right. Um, and uh, he has one client, Michael Jensberg, who is um, a sort of world famous philanthropist who cannot face uh, talking to women. Uh, and Leo, Leo is sort of helping him. And in the process, uh, we find that Michael just simply falls in love with Leo's wife. So, um, yes. And I am not on the show, but I am a writer, co-creator, and uh, the other part of the triumvirate is Charlie, who is Leo's wife, who as as uh, Carl, just that's your name right, Carl, just mentioned uh, she's very unhappy but trying to cope with being a new mom and a husband who's not what she thought he was going to be. And this new guy, Michael, who's so exotic and yet a total weirdo. Exotic. <laughs> exotic. Absolutely. Um, so I know the two of you are, 
University of Evansville ties. I don't know. Do you also? I met Carl because Carl was in a play of mine in New York City and was amazing and still is. An incredible, a fantastic play called Back from the Front. And when Chris and I first conceived of the idea of doing a web series, the first person I wanted to call was Lynn. We thought it would be great to have uh, an actual writer's perspective on, on this. So we called Lynn. We thought she has an amazing, quirky, interesting individual voice, and it, it just sort of blended uh, beautifully into the, the story. Absolutely. And can you explain a little bit about the writing process between all of you? Well, uh, 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 Lynn. Lot of name, name calling. A lot of, yeah, calling. Uh, a lot of <laughs> anger, bitter resentment. <laughs> yes. Um, Lynn and Carl were the writers of the show, and I was uh, being a producer and an executive producer on the show. Uh, we would get together and do um, sessions talking about what the characters were. We actually did a little process at the beginning where each of us took one of the main characters. I took Michael Jensberg, and and Lynn took Charlie, and 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 uh, Carl. Carl took Leo, mm-hmm. um, and the, and. We all sort of came up with ideas about who those characters were, and um, and then they would they would each write scripts, uh, the two of them, and then all three of us would look at those scripts, and give notes and thoughts, and we would discuss them as, and then we'd go away and do rewrites, um, or they, the two of them would go away and do rewrites, um, and then in the end, I became a you know a, a, a storyteller as well because I'm the editor. So in the end, they, we took their scripts, we shot them, and then I would edit them in the end. And his comedic editing has as much to do with the comedy, your yeah, fine perhaps. editing. Although also, you know, uh, Carrie Preston's sort of amazing direction and, and her uh, her sort of touch on the comedy is very important as well. That's so, true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should mention Carrie. How did you guys get her to direct the show? Carrie uh, is an old friend of ours from college. She went to the University of Evansville and we moved, she and I moved to New York at the same time. And uh, just sort of in and out of each other's lives, we did a, um, a reading of the first three episodes, and Chris called Carrie and invited her along to get her point of view on it, and uh, she just immediately said that she wanted to direct it. So, and she, she as well as being a, an incredible Emmy Award-winning actress, she's also a fantastic filmmaker and has her own production company, uh, Daisy Three Pictures. And so they sort of partnered with our company, Darwin's Tree, to produce the, the series. Although Carrie herself uh, functions purely as the director, sort of a, sort of a fourth horseman of creators. And, and how? Apocalyptic term. <laughs> and so a life coach who doesn't have any control over his own life, I guess, in a way, or his own life is chaotic. Uh, where'd you come up with that concept? Well, it's not personal. None of it is personal. It doesn't have anything to do with coach, our... Was that <laughs> no, but I, you know, I think, I think we... When we all we, have control over our <laughs> lives, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think the idea, uh, it was always very interesting, this idea of um, how we present one thing to the world. Uh, social media is a perfect example of that. We always present our better self on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and and then we all watch that and we feel like crap because we think everyone else must be so happy and we're, we're actually unhappy. We all do that to an extent and we just wanted to sort of take that and stretch it uh, a little bit and so uh, having him be a life coach seemed to be the perfect uh, solution to that because um, it's all like rainbows and and self-improvement and betterment and um, never really taking into account that the person who's advising you might actually be a train wreck. And where can people find you guys in your show? 
uh, www.darwintheseries.com. But please take a look at our Facebook page, Darwin the Series, on, on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, so uh, and that, that's at Darwin's Tree. Uh, and uh, I think there's Instagram, but I'm not sure what that is. Uh, it's Darwin the Series on Instagram. But uh, we're, we're biggest on, on Facebook. Go, go to our Facebook page, Darwin the Series, and give us a like. We uh, hopefully will be having some new content coming out very, very soon. We're working on what we're calling uh, a season two, although the episodes are sort of, um, they're interstitial. They fit into the current episodes and are sort of things that happen to characters who are off camera or between episodes, and it all sort of feeds back to the main narrative. So it's, it's also fun for us. They're sh much shorter episodes, but uh, it gives us an opportunity to tell the story in a different way and enhance it. Thanks, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Hey, everyone. This is Marks again, and I am joined by... Jeanette Bonner. And you're the creator of... Ghostlight the Web Series. Can you tell people a little bit about your web series? Absolutely. It's about a motley crew of community theater stagehands working in a theater in nowhere America. <laughs> so what uh, brought about that idea? Um, I have a theater background and I was dating someone at the time who was on the technical side of working in the theater and he did a lot of national tours and a lot of regional theater. He would tell me stories of things that happened backstage or people he met and I don't know if you've ever heard any of these stories from people you know but they're uh, extremely entertaining <laughs> and I thought you know why doesn't anyone ever talk about what happens backstage because sometimes that's far more interesting than what you're seeing on stage. Mm -hmm. uh, and we thought about it, there's no film, there's no TV, there's no web series, there's no comic books really that talk about this crazy lifestyle. So we thought, let's do it, let's fix that, you know? <laughs> there you go. And why web series? I think uh, at the time it just seemed really accessible. I started writing it in 2000. 11 and we started uh, producing it in 2012 so that was right in that sweet spot where really everyone was starting to talk about this new genre I don't even think SAG had a new media contract really figured out or agreement yet um, so um, just because it was the great frontier I'd done a pilot but I love the idea of joining the community of content creators in this new form awesome and uh, you're here ITV Fest, first year, third year, I forgot what you <laughs> told me. My, I'm a, I'm a, what do we call, I'm groupie. You're I was going to say I'm a stalker, but no, 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 I'm a groupie. It's my third year. So I came the first year just to network and meet people um, as an actor, as a producer. I came last year as a volunteer for the festival. And then this year we're up for network notes for Ghostlight. Um, we were also screening at Pop-Up Cinema, which was a, a separate screening series, but in collaboration with ITV Fest on Thursday night. I tell my friends to come up every year because this is so unusual for a film and or TV festival. The sense of community and the way that people actually stop and have real conversations with e each other and want to support each other aren't just sort of schmoozing for the sake of schmoozing. So I'm a big fan of, uh, of ITV Fest. And you mentioned network notes. I don't think a lot of festivals do something like that. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, I agree. Um, it's sort of, I guess, 
runner-up <laughs> kind of that's a terrible way to describe it but basically those who are not selected for uh, official or final selections are given something called network notes which is uh, your series is good you didn't become a final selection but we'll hook you up with a network executive who will give you feedback um, about your series about how you can improve upon it how you can make it better and um, and and hopefully maybe forge a relationship that will help the series grow Season two came out not too long ago, right? That's right. We launched season two this spring. Um, it's out in the universe, both seasons, in fact, both on YouTube and our website, which is ghostlighttheseries.com. And what's your plans, either of Ghostlight or any other project coming up? Ghostlight has uh, some news. I don't know that I'm allowed to talk about it yet. When does this go live? It'll be at least a week after. Okay, so I'm going to mention it. We are, um, you're the first to know, first, yeah, exclusive news story. Um, There's an amazing crowdfunding site, I don't know if you're familiar with it, called Seed and Spark. And Seed and Spark offers distribution for films that they help to crowdfund, but they've never done it for series before. So they're changing their platform to allow for web series, um, and they're also they want to create an ecosystem where you contribute funding to the site as a quote-unquote executive producer. Half of that fee, it's $10, goes towards a seed fund of the filmmaker of your choice, and half of it goes towards um, some, anything you want to watch. So it's essentially a distribution platform with a different structure to it. Um, they've invited Ghostlight to be part of this Awesome. New new project of theirs. Yeah, it is really exciting. We crowned fun in both seasons with them, but the fact that they reached out to us and asked and said, like, we love Ghostlight, we want you guys to be a part of what we're doing next is really neat. So, you know, if they become the next Hulu, I'm all, we were first, we were first. Um, so uh, my, my director and my editor and I decided not to create season three. Um, Someone said to me, a friend of mine, you make season one to prove you can do it. You make season two to prove you can do it better. You make season three only if your audience is clamoring for more. And ours ours isn't clamoring. They like it, but it's like I can push it only to a certain place. And at that point, I either need the audience to step in or I need a producer or a production company to come in and take it to the next level. So... Until that happens, I kind of did what I wanted to do with it. I think it's ready to um, move to the next project. Next. And you said you had an ice cream blog? Yeah, so it's mostly for myself. But um, a couple of years ago, I was complaining on uh, to a friend that, you know, I was like, where do you get ice cream in New York City? Because that's where I live. Um, in small towns, there's always, like, the local ice cream shop, you know. And I was like, in New York, they make you go to Dwayne Reed, which is, like, our you know, our drugstore, and you buy a pint of Ben and Jerry's. Uh, so when I started researching, I was, there are local small batch artisanal ice cream shops in New York, handcrafted, and when I started um, finding them, I would post about them on Facebook. My friend Amy said, you should write a blog. And I said, if I write it, will you read it? She said, yes. I was like, done. <laughs> so uh, I go around New York, and I, I, small, I find the small, locally sourced um, uh, sort of handmade small batch ice cream shops and, and write about them. Awesome. That's literally all I do. I just like, it's to help justify me eating, eating ice cream, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, um, Those calories don't count. I blogged about that. It's summer. She can go swimming. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's, it's been just for me because it's fun 
All right. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add? I think you, you gave us the website address. Is there any other uh, social media? Of course, dude. Right. Are you silly? <laughs> um, it's uh, We're sourced through my production company, which is called Kelly's Pool Hall Productions. Mm -hmm. So it's at Kelly's Pool Hall for both Twitter and Instagram. And then on Facebook, we're just facebook.com slash ghostlight the series. It's you have to always write Ghostlight the series because if you Google search just Ghostlight, there's about 300,000 things in the universe called Ghostlight, including a Doctor Who episode. Um, so, Because that's a theater term. Maybe you should explain that real fast. Yes, so a Ghostlight, uh, if you're not familiar with theater terminology, is basically a stand with a bare bulb on top that the theater techs put on the edge of the stage at the end of the production. Because when everyone leaves and they shut the lights off in the theater, it's pitch dark. They don't want people wandering out on the stage and falling off the edge of it into the pit and break their necks. But the legend of the ghost light is that it keeps the theater ghosts amused during the middle of the night while there's no performance going on. So they say it's to light the way of the ghosts, which doesn't make sense to me because ghosts don't need to see. But it's to light the way of the ghosts um, in the theater when it's pitch dark. But it's really just a safety light. <laughs> well, thanks so much for speaking with us. Thanks for inviting us, Marks. Hey guys, this is Marks. I'm still up here in, in uh, Dover, Vermont uh, at ITV Fest. And today I'm speaking with Brandon Polanco. And can you tell us a little bit about your project here? Definitely. Um, so I was a producer on an animated pilot that's a half hour series called Superior Living. And the project is has an all-star cast. It's a great little series that focuses on turning the mirror and making a little fun about where we've gone, which is the liberal elites and the politically correct, to hopefully bring back a little humor to it all, while we also introduce a really strong Hispanic culture as well. How are you enjoying ITV Fest? Oh, it's a lot of fun. Um, I think tonight's like really the kind of the golden nugget of the whole festival, you know, it kind of keeps growing and crescendoing. and. Um, I've been having a good time. I'm a little tired. It's a lot of meetings, a lot of uh, you know networking, but really good group of people. You were telling me earlier about a story about one of um, kind of a, a big break or, or a popular project you worked on. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, you know, back when I started making my first couple short films, you know, I was still working as a production assistant, and I got an opportunity to go work on a movie called Cold Comes the Night. And during that time, it was. At the same time, we had Hurricane Sandy. And so what happened was is we got locked there. And ultimately, the star of the movie, Brian Cranston, who was in Breaking Bad and Malcolm in the Middle, he proposed a writing contest. And I heard it, and I immediately started writing a script that night. And the next morning, I gave it to him, and he picked it. And so three hours later, we made this film. And it's called Writer's Block, which you can find on uh, YouTube, Vimeo. And um, very soon, we'll be actually putting it on Acumen TV. That's great. Yeah. So what are your hopes with your project that's here at the festival? Um, to foster great connections, to maybe meet those people that want to potentially take this to the next level. Um, ultimately, our main goal is to get a distribution deal. We have people like Paul F. Tompkins from Bojack Horseman. We have Julie Costner, Difficult People, Fred Melamed. The list goes on. We have some really great talent. and. You know, it takes a lot of money to make animation. So in order for us to do this, we have one of two routes. We would love the golden nugget of maybe somebody is going to see it and want to give us a distribution deal. But ultimately, we'd like to get a showrunner or a lead producer on this project that can help us take us to that place. And is there any other projects in the works or outside of this that you'd like to mention? Yeah. Um, so 
I am also a writer. I have got a book called Dylan Ray and the Infinite Beings, which people can get on Amazon. It's an ebook right now, and I'm developing it to become a miniseries, a six-part miniseries. And if you're into epic magic and fantasy, but also really want to understand maybe a new side of a Hispanic culture, this is that book. It's a lot of fun. It's a it'll it'll twist a bit. But um, I've got that coming out, and you know I've got a movie that I'm working on. So there's a lot of other projects, but definitely check out the novel. And where can people find you and your work online? You can go find me on my Vimeo page at bfilm87. That's the handle. Um, just I have a public page on Facebook, Brandon Polanco. Look me up. That's where I look, post a lot of work. And um, those are the two main sites right now that you can go through for. If you want to find out information on Superior Living, frivolousproductions.com is our website. And um, that's what right now. Thanks for speaking with me. Yeah. Oh, and Twitter followers, uh, it's at bpolanco87. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everybody. This is Marks again, and I'm with... Mani Ala Ahmad. All right. Can you tell us a little bit about your project? Yeah, sure. Um, it's a, a sci-fi dramedy pilot. And um, basically the gist of it is uh, the main character is a Chicago paramed and he's, you know, there's a, a slight, um, it's, it's sort of like a genre thing because he's a paramed so you have like um, the things that he goes through day to day with that and stuff. But the real draw of it is that like he's uh, has this affliction that hits him where he cannot control his own timeline. So he disappears and reappears in different parts of his timeline where he sees events happening when, in the past when he was a kid and things that haven't happened yet in his timeline. And there's also different alternate versions of himself appearing in his life that are like warning him about things and telling him about things to do and he doesn't know why it's happening. He doesn't understand. And it's him unraveling this mystery and dealing with the consequences. And it's the truth is that it's him dealing with how to become the best version of himself and uh, figuring out, you know, what choices to make in his life. So that's cool. part of it. Can you say the name and also the format? Oh yeah, it's uh, it's called Lifelines. Um, it's a uh, like an hour-long uh, TV pilot. Yeah, so that's the gist. Well, how's your experience been so far at ITV Fest? It's amazing. First off, this place is gorgeous. Um, I would have come here probably just for that alone. But um, I've met a lot of great people, got a lot of great information. Um, I've seen a lot of great content, met some content creators, a lot of different producers and different executives. Like, it's been phenomenal. The access has been phenomenal. It's totally worth the time to come out here. Yeah. And so what are you hoping uh, to do with your project? I'm hoping to get a full season funded and uh, on some platform for distribution. So that's what I'm hoping to do with it. So hoping enough people see it and like it that they want to give us money and be like, put this on our channel. <laughs> okay, awesome. And uh, how much did it cost you to make the first episode? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, so we pull in a lot of favors for this and uh, we got the, the whole thing shot for probably around $2,000, I'd say. So really bare bones, but like we had great equipment, great talent, so it doesn't look like it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of one cool thing about living and working in Chicago is that you can get access to really cool people for that willing to do things that just because they like you. <laughs> so, so that's good, yeah. That's really good for a one hour drama. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I, it probably cost me as much to promote the thing like just like submitting to festivals and going to festivals and so much as it did to make the pilot so so that's interesting but yeah. yeah a lot of people don't think about that marketing budget i had not thought about it at all like i was like oh i'm gonna make this that's so cool because i'm an actor you know generally and like i don't usually go and just make things on my own you know so i didn't think about that at all so but we you know whatever we're here so it's good <laughs>
And uh, what motivated you, what inspired you to do this story? You know, I didn't write this story. It was actually my, the writer, uh, his name's Nick. He's amazing, a super talented writer. Um, we were going to do this as a comic book. I'm also an illustrator. And uh, just the story, when I, when I read it, I was like, this works so well as a series. Let's see if we can do it as a series. Um, and we got some uh, uh, producers involved that were like, they had access to, you know, crew equipment and stuff, you know, a great DP. And they're like, let's just do it, you know? So we, we cast a, a bunch of great talent and we made it happen. It's really a character story. It's a character-driven story. But it's hidden inside, like, a, a, a medical drama of sorts, you know, because he's an EMT paramedic or whatever, you know? And it also hidden inside this sci-fi world so that you can do anything you want really you know as long as you can make it work so yeah but it's it's really just the, the heart of it is just like you know how the, how the heck do you make decisions to be the right person that you, who do you want to be you know and then how do you make your wife work that way and like you know how do you not get sidetracked and it, and it shows like the consequences if you do the wrong thing or if you do the right thing you know what's going to happen because there's alternate realities and so on so it's there's a lot yeah you know it, yeah yeah it's it's a way to explore um, just a really personal thing in a very elaborate way, <laughs> you know. We all wonder, you know, what what if I did this back yeah. then, or or yeah. we'd struggle with a decision and wonder what would happen either way, either direction we go in. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like Reggie's lucky because he gets to do that. He gets to see, you know, what happens if he would have made those wrong decisions at times, you know. But and he also sees the consequences of the things that he's done that have led to different things, you know. So, so yeah, it's like you know he's he's gonna be able to fix things. But he's got to figure out how to do that, you know? It's just, yeah, totally. It's, it's an interesting thing. You should see it. Are you going to come to see it, by the way? Like, I definitely want to see it. It sounds good. Yeah. Totally. I, love, I love sci-fi, anything. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's really good. You know, we got really lucky with this because uh, the, the sci-fi elements aren't, aren't, like, really, like, it's him, like, disappearing, reappearing type of stuff. And uh, we got a guy that's like, I, I think I can do this. I can make it happen. He's not traditionally a special effects guy, and he just did it. He was one of the people that worked crew for us. And it was just, we got really lucky with everything. Like, we got an amazing camera that we, we got to use for, for free just because, some you know, the DP knew somebody. And it was just, uh, it, the, uh, it was a, a C300. Uh, yeah, Canon C300. And we also had, we had like, for a few of the days, we had second cameras as well and stuff. There were all other Canon cameras and stuff. He had like a, he owns a full like company with like a grip truck and everything. So it's like, it was, awesome. yeah, man, it was really, really crazy. I, I still can't believe that we did this. Like sometimes I watch it, I'm like, man, I can't believe we made this, you know? So, yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, and where, can people find you online anywhere? Uh, yes, me personally, I'm uh, at... Mani Dragon, I believe, M O N N I E Dragon, uh, on Twitter, or at Mo Mani Man, or, or Mo Mani, I think, I forget, uh, uh, on Instagram, or just, you know, find me, A Mani Al Ahmed on uh, Facebook or whatever. Um, or you can look up Evil Iguana Productions, is the company that uh, produced this, and they do a lot of awesome content. We've worked with them a lot, and you can see, find me there as well. So, uh, yeah. That's awesome. well, Thank you. Thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate it. Have a great time in Dover. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everyone. This is Mark's up at ITV Fest. And right now I'm joined by... Angela Herrer. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your project that you're currently working on? Yeah, so right now I'm working on a project called The Folklorist. We're a regional historical recreation show based out of Newton, Massachusetts. We're in our second season, and we're currently producing two new episodes that are coming out in the fall, and uh, we're working on a couple of new pilots that are sort of spin-offs of that show. 
Awesome. And what's the folklorist about? So the folklorist explores different parts of hidden history as well as uh, folklore type stories. And we we typically range, uh, it's a half hour uh, episode and each episode does like, I think, three to four different segments ranging from three to ten minutes long. They cover a wide variety of topics like wet, weird weather, uh, hoax stories, like strange biographical pieces of maybe people we haven't heard about before uh, and just anything that really we take interest in as a creative group. Can you give us a snippet of one of the more unusual cases you've done? Last season we did a segment about Princess Caribou which was one of my favorite pieces to work on. It was this really obscure story about a a woman who wandered the English countryside back in the 1800s and she pretended to be a princess and made up a language, an entire history of a place that didn't exist. And we explored the entire like historical uh, account of that person and that event. That sounds really interesting. How did you guys find out about it? So uh, we have a lot of people who submit stories to us. We have a small following around the New England area and a lot of our actors and actresses are also really excited to be participating in it so they'll also submit stories to us. I think for the Princess Caribou piece we looked up different hoax stories. There's this great resource we use, uh, different online uh, blogs that have a lot of uh, different topics that they cover and we found that on Museum of Hoaxes website. So that was one that really interested us. We We try to find pieces that have a lot of rich history that follows a central character but we get to see their whole like kind of humanity within a piece and that's why we pick the pieces that we do and uh, is this your first year at ITV Fest and if so what do you think of it I yeah this is my first year at the ITV Fest and it's been an amazing experience I've gotten to meet so many great creative people and see all the amazing work that they're doing right now and it's just it's been a very special kind of festival because we're out here in Dover, Vermont, and you, there's very limited amounts of things to do. So we're all kind of banding together and going to the same places and hanging out. And because the festival is about five days long, uh, we're really here able to have meetings, have lunches together, really go out together and get to know each other as artists. And where can people find you and your work online? So The Folklorist has its own website. It's thefolklorist.newtv.org. We're also available on YouTube. If you just look up The Folklorist, we have our own channel. And uh, yeah, the new pieces we're working on are not being released yet, but once they are, we'll, we'll post about that. We're available on social media as well if you type in The Folklorist. All right, thank you very much. Cool, thanks for having me. Hey everyone, I'm still up at ITV Fest. It's Friday, and today I'm talking with Mike Hadley, the uh, writer-director of Knights of New Jersey. All right, well, first off, can you tell us a little bit about your web series? Sure. So, Knights of New Jersey is a comedy. Um, the setting, the context is uh, behind the scenes at a Renaissance fair. Uh, we like to say that it's kind of the office of the Times. It's about friends who are Renaissance fair actors and performers, and it's about the petty humiliations, the jealousies, the laughs, the loves that they have as they interact and try to make their dreams come true, uh, pursuing their vision of uh, courage and loyalty, all of it taking place in New Jersey. Awesome. 
and uh, so did you say how many episodes in season one? Right, so we've currently got four episodes out, and uh, we have another three that we're just about done with post, so those will be launching this fall, so seven thus far. Okay. And how, how are you enjoying the festival? You know, uh, this is a beautiful location. Uh, this is a really fun festival. I would encourage anybody to submit uh, for next year. Um, you know, I've been to a number of festivals so far with Knights of New Jersey, uh, so I have a, a, a bit of a context for this. Um, and I can say that this is a really, uh, really interesting festival, festival, really special. What's been great so far, and uh, no small, uh, uh, or in, in uh, part due to uh, presentations like the one you gave yesterday, the panels have been really great, really focused, really helpful for people who are uh, creating and trying to take their project to the next level. So. Um, it's a beautiful environment. Uh, there's a lot of things going on, and actually, it's super informative. Um, so, what what plans do you have for the web series moving forward? Right. So, uh, our immediate goal is to get the next three out, um, next three episodes out, and uh, then we're starting to look at the the next season. Uh, we are also pitching the concept to uh, other different platforms. Um, you know, the concept works as a, a half-hour TV show. There's also been uh, some interest in taking it uh, into the feature film uh, realm. So we're running as fast as we can and trying to see how far we can take it. So some people might be listening and they're thinking about doing a web series or just getting started. You know, is there something that you learned in your first, first few episodes that uh, maybe surprised you? Yeah. Well... I come at this from maybe a slightly different perspective from people who might be starting out. Uh, I've been in the video production business for 20 years, uh, so this is kind of what I do for a living. Uh, the The difference is, you know, we haven't primarily done entertainment. We've done uh, kind of marketing, commercials, and promotional stuff, which has been great. And uh, you know, I. I know what I'm doing and I had the advantage of really pulling in people that I've worked with over the years so we were able to call in a huge amount of favors mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know if people who are first starting out mm -hmm. who don't already have uh, a career in the industry would be able to do that mm -hmm. but I would say this um, all that said the first time you step out with your own project on your own um, I don't think it really matters uh, where you are in your career, you should definitely take that step and definitely do it. Um, you know, for me, I'm kind of, in a way, the, the eye-opening thing was if you ask people and you're nice about it and they like your script, they're going to sign on. And that, you know, and we also got great locations. Uh, we got great extras, great costumes, so many things that we got just by asking. So that if people like your project and they like you, they're, they, people like to help. So don't be afraid to get off the couch or get out in, from the computer and start. You know, it may happen that what you do the first time out, second time out, isn't that great, but you don't have to put it up on YouTube. You can make the third one. And maybe by the third or fourth time, you're starting to get your legs under you. You can see what works and what doesn't. But my advice at having done this project is to anybody is to go ahead and do it don't not do it i guess is the is the thing so many people think about oh, if i just do it yeah uh renaissance fair reenactments uh why that why that concept is that something that's a passion of yours you know um 
in a way, you know, I'm not a hardcore Rennie, uh, as they would say, um, but, uh, you know, I come out of a kind of a nerd geek background. Um, I like a lot of genre stuff. I like history. Uh, but the actual idea for this came when I took my son to a medieval times uh, in New Jersey, which for people who don't know that, it's, uh, it's kind of like a Renaissance fair, but it's a dinner theater uh, experience and they have knights and jousting and sword fights. And it's fun and it's ridiculous at the same time. And the thought occurred to me, like what would it be like to be uh, employed to, to have that as your job? Uh, and it originally took place as, uh, as a feature idea and then, uh, you know, I liked going to rent fairs, and so I thought, well, you know, from a production standpoint, it would be a lot easier to do this at a Renaissance fair um, and to pull upon that community. So we kind of took the Medieval Times concept and ported it over to Renaissance fair, which was super easy. And, um, you know, I was able to, with the Renaissance fair, you're able to bring in a lot of other threads, too, and that is kind of the advent of cosplay and Comic-Con and people getting dressed up, which is an ongoing thread in our series of the people who are the hardcore Rennies have looked down upon the cosplayers. And also I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan, so we were able to bring in Game of Thrones cosplayers into the mix. So I was able to, you know, a lot of things that I'm interested in, try to find a structure and a format that worked. And um, so far it's, it seems to be working, which is great. Yeah, I always wanted to do a Renaissance fair ever since cable guy or whatever and they right. did one I was like I want to do that yeah. <laughs> we'll go, go experience that um, so how much did it cost to do it basically yeah so uh, in, in some ways it's not cheap in some ways it's super cheap um, you know because we were able to uh, pull in all these favors mm -hmm. and in some cases you know uh, get uh, people to work for free or for much less than they're normally worth and that we would normally pay them. Um, we were able to do the first four episodes for about 15000 which is probably a lot in some cases for web series and not a lot for some of the ones that have some real backing under them. Um, what was the greatest chunk of that expense? Uh, I would say uh, probably paying people something, you know, uh, so you paid the actors something? Yes, yeah, we, we paid, uh, you know, I would call it a stipend, but, you know, we had rehearsals, we had uh, two shoot days, and we paid the crew, you know, maybe 15% of what they would normally make, 20%, but we felt like it was important to value them by paying them something. Uh, and, you know, we had insurance. Uh, I guess that's my production background, you know. Um, we had uh, hot breakfast and hot lunch for people. Because um, when you're working for hardly nothing, you know, you got to take care of your people. Um, and, you know, you add all that up and there you go. I mean, we had we had a few props that we had to get, but I, I would say mainly it was kind of like, you know, people and food. <laughs> you know, the, the equipment we got really for free. You know, the cameras and the sound equipment and everything. So, um, What kind of camera did you shoot on? Right. So um, we, uh, we shot on... Uh, it was a two-camera shoot. We shot on C300, shooting, you know, HD uh, 2997. Um, and, you know, we, we kind of talked about, you know, should we try to shoot this in uh, 2K or 4K and kind of up the resolution. But with the uh, distribution, at least primarily initially being on the web, it feel, felt like, you know, sure, we could have higher resolution, but we'd export out at a lower res for uh, 
YouTube and so it didn't really seem to to make sense and it, it eats up a lot of more uh, a lot more uh, resources in post to get all that through the pipeline so um, you know there's some limitations with uh, straight up HD versus uh, 4k but um, all in all it helped us to move more quickly which was what we really needed to do when you have that much those many pages and that little time to shoot you got to move awesome well thanks so much for speaking with us can you let everybody know where they can find you and your project certainly so uh the best place to go is to just go to youtube.com slash knights of new jersey or facebook.com slash knights of new jersey and that's knights with a k like a medieval knight um but also if you just would straight up google knights of new jersey uh you'll find us as well yes all right thank you Hey guys, I'm up here at ITV Fest, and I'm joined by Benjamin Warner, Scott Humphrey, Elizabeth Neal, and your project is? We are from LARPs the Series. All right, guys, so ITV Fest, have you been here before? What do you think? So, this is our first time here at ITV. Uh, It's been a great week. It's been a really great week. We've uh, been honored to have been at a festival where we've seen so much awesome content great comedy great drama greats everything really absolutely it's not far from sorry yeah it's it's not far from montreal either like montreal to vermont is a nice a nice quick jaunt so it's lovely to get out into sort of the beauty of the the northeastern seaboard as well a little bit which is there, there couldn't be a better setting for itv what I've loved about the fest compared to all the others that we've been to uh, so far has just been how intimate it's been. So everyone in the town pretty much is somehow associated with the festival. So you get to know so many of the content creators and you genuinely want to see their stuff because you know them as people. Um, I have never seen so many pieces um, of uh, different projects as I have at ITV Fest and I'm so happy for that. Absolutely. For those who haven't seen it, what is LARPs about? Uh, LARP series is a web series about a group of friends who, whose hobby is live-action role-playing. So we follow them both in their lives and in-game, where they can kind of explore their in-character personas. And so the series explores their conflicts, how it, their in-game conflicts, you know, kind of influence their out-of-game lives and vice versa. Since I last spoke to you guys, spoke to you guys back in uh, Mind Web Fest, the first one. Mm-hmm. Since then, you got you got on Geek and Sundry and everything. How's that experience? It's was very positive. I mean, we've now, we have, we have since then re-released our first season on Geek and Sundry, and then we released our entire second season on Geek and Sundry. And working them, we're, working with them was great. We're, um, you know, we're kind of waiting to see where the future of the show is going to take us f- at this point. But the entire first two seasons of the show are st- still on Geek and Sundry. Uh, they've been super supportive. They helped us with a, a very large crowdfunding campaign, and and and, and really set us on our way uh, to create the second season of the show uh, and have been a fabulous partner to work with, for sure. When coming up with the concept for season two, you know, the story arc for season two, um, you know, what was the inspiration for the, you know, the turn in the storyline and and direction? Um, I think it's fair to say that when season one wrapped, we had a pretty fair idea of how we wanted certain storylines to continue for season two. Um, certain conflicts were not quite resolved at the end of the first season and we wanted to expand on them. We also knew that um, if we did a season two, we would want to do them with longer episodes. So that just gave more opportunity for character development and plot development um, that season one just hadn't gotten the chance to because each episode was between five to seven minutes. Uh, so season two really gave us an opportunity to expand on, on conflicts and problems that had already been introduced. Just to tack 
that also uh, universe expansion. We were able to take on new actors who, without spoiling too much of season two, you know, uh, rival our gang a little bit, uh, bosses, co-workers, that kind of thing. And uh, it's fantastic to have new blood, awesome, talented people from the Montreal scene come on as actors and as crew. And that's uh, it's been really fabulous for that reason. Okay, great, guys. And where can everyone find you in your, your series online? Well, pretty much any social media at LARPs the series. So Twitter, Instagram, but the main place to find us is www.larpstheseries.com because that's where we have all of our episodes embedded along with synopses, cast and crew bios, and some bonus content. Definitely want to check it out. Not to mention great merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, thank you. Thanks, Marks. Right, thanks. Hey everybody, I'm up here at ITV Fest, and now I'm speaking with Scott Porterfield. I'm Rusty Watkins. And we're Genius Losers. <laughs> Genius Losers Productions. So uh, go ahead and uh, describe your project, everyone, please. Okay, so we're doing a show, uh, a puppet show, called Wizard U, which is uh, sort of a what-if uh, Harry Potter's uh, Hogwarts was in America. And um, we don't really focus too much on the magic, but more on the the drugs and the sex and the uh, debauchery of being in a dorm room. And uh, we have uh, the puppeteer, Rusty Watkins. Yep, that's me. I also uh, fabricate and uh, do any of the backgrounds and uh, a bit of writing, but then Scott will flesh it out because he is the writer. And Rusty works for Disney and I was a cameraman on movies and TV and stuff, but this is a, f a lot more fun. So, <laughs> yeah, and uh, since we've been out here, we've come up with a whole new project. We're going to do a, a movie uh, about the, the Big Bear Inn, which is the inn that we're staying at. <laughs> and it's about the mystery of the Big Bear and how he kills people in the woods after 3 a.m. Oh. So, yeah. And, uh, but he, his nemesis is Ghost Baby, so we're writing a picture uh, called uh, Big Bear versus Ghost Baby. Um, probably, you know, be a sci-fi or, you know, FX. Oh, it'll be on sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sure. So watch for that in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> the cool thing is, is that we've already come up with a sequel, which is uh, Big Bear and uh, well, it's actually Hungry Bear versus Ghost Baby, because uh, after Big Bear, uh, oh wait, that gives way too much, doesn't it? Well, yeah. Big Bear gets defeated by Ghost Baby in the first movie, so then you have to wonder if Ghost Baby can actually beat Big Bear and Hungry Bear in the in the second. <laughs> Right. Which will never actually happen. <laughs> but uh, but the, the, the inspiration for Wizard U, uh, well, basically was, you know, hey, let's make something with puppets. So we started tossing around ideas and Scott came up with, uh, you know, let's, let's do a, a dorm room at a wizard school. And, uh, and I smoked a lot of pot and so I wanted to see puppets smoke pot honestly <laughs> so, yeah, so we make we make puppets smoke out of bongs and whatever oh, wait, i have one tweaker actually so if any of you methods out there want to watch uh, a tweaker puppet yeah there's a little yeah he's 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 pretty much so your niche market <laughs> yes we're looking for tweakers and potheads <laughs> who like puppets exactly what we're going for <laughs> no it's it's kind of about the the dynamics of that you know evolving out of adolescent uh, relationship that you have in a dorm room and 
it, it can be a silly place. Yes, our main character, actually, Neville, he, he takes it very seriously and is the Harry Potter of the group. And he, he really wants to be a wizard. And we have one, oh, well, we, have, we have the first openly gay puppet in a wizard-based show that I know of. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, he, we have the, the, he, Roy is actually uh, there for theater arts. He doesn't really care about wizardry, wizardry at all. It's just the school he's able to get into. And um, then... Uh, Dizzle is in there because he's a legacy, and uh, his father got him into the uh, Bull and Scone Society, which um, is kind of like, you know, only for, for legacies, and, and you know, uh, students are eventually going to become president, and he just does a lot of cocaine and meth, and he's not very bright and fails most of his classes, and, you know, not based on anybody we've ever had a president before. <laughs> now I, I forgot is this format a tv pilot or a web series it is a web series so we have uh right now we only have six episodes up uh they're about five minutes a piece but yeah hey it's fun and you know we were probably going to redo the first episode or do a new first episode because our first episode started out with uh someone ejaculating in someone's shoes and we thought maybe we should save that you know like as the second punch of a of a show and not open with it, you know. That was it, it's a good. <laughs> 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 that just, just leaving it open. Leaving it open. Yes, there you go. <laughs> you don't want to build up to that? Yes, what? that's right. Well, which comes first? You know, I mean. <laughs> well, <location>, I would say. <laughs> yeah, so that episode's called Spoogium Shoesium. That's the spell that's used. Yeah, that to ejaculate in someone's shoe. Very valuable wizard information, you know, that you don't get in Harry Potter. So we figure we're, we're adding to the genre. Yes, yes. There's, there's uh, my favorite spell, uh, the Mammarium Exposum, uh, which, you know, th is, is very good for the heterosexual. Uh, when heterosexual <coughs> puppets wish to see them titties, as yes. they, would, yeah, they would say in the vernacular. Which yes. We haven't really gotten to it. That's just <laughs> in my mind. Yeah, that which seems to be all that's in his mind. <laughs> Did it? Anything else? <laughs> I think we said all that you couldn't possibly want anyone to hear. Well, well uh, so we're at ITV Fest. Uh, have have you been enjoying the festival? What, what do you think of it? Is no. it the first time you've been here? Too? First time here, yeah. No, uh, it's in the middle of nowhere in Vermont, and that's actually really cool. So I suggest anyone come here because, you know, we were under, able to sit under that tree right across from you there mm -hmm. and talk to a big HBO executive. And first night we were here, we had dinner with another big uh, digital executive and you know just just by pure happenstance just running across them and and everybody's very friendly and in a good mood and it's a great atmosphere so yeah it's like one of the best festivals i've ever been to yeah everyone's very accessible they they had to work to get here so they want to be here very laid back everybody's within a one mile range you can't really disappear into new york or los angeles you're can't go right anywhere. here. As a matter of fact, there's two restaurants, I think, and uh, <laughs> no. Okay, okay. There's no coffee, and yeah, so you're pretty much stuck together. But there is booze, and that works well. So we're all in the same party, boozing. No, no. But no, just just walking up and down the street, you can run across people, and like you said, there's nowhere to go, and also that you do have to take a plane and close, and then drive. So you have to really, you know, from an executive perspective, they have to actually want to be here, which is really cool because. You know, if it's in New York or L.A., they may just be there anyway and drop by. But here, you know, they were committed. You know. All right. And what's what's your guys' feature plans? Well, we have uh, on our genius list. Besides Lizard. Ghost Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost Baby and Big Bear. Exactly. <laughs> but on our website, we have uh, several other series. We have a, a show called Happy Shack, which we have eight episodes up there. They're about 10, 12 minutes long. And that's about a, uh, uh, a children's network uh, 
that's run by a mm, almost criminally insane guy loosely based on what if Walt Disney never made it big and uh, so it's kind of a low rent you know bottom end of your cable lineup kind of uh, children's network that's barely thriving and um, it, it has puppets and live action and animation all blended together they all coexist in the same world so you'll see puppets walking down the hallway and animated characters interact with live action and you know crazy things like that so there's a lot of fun stuff to watch there and we're still building on that on that platform of just sort of relatively uh, unreasonably insane stuff <laughs> cool. and where can people find you and your work online uh, www.geniuslosers.com thanks a lot guys thank you thank you marks hey everyone this is marks at itv fest and i'm sib law and uh sib you're a board member of the iwtv like me i suppose <laughs> can you tell everybody what the iwtv was up to this this year at itv fest you know the IT, uh, iwtv had a number of really phenomenal things happening at itv fest one of the uh highlights of the entire festival was a keynote interview that our chairman Tina Cease Ward had with uh, a former board member and uh, industry leader uh, Rob Barnett. Uh, it was a, a fabulous conversation. Uh, it was informative, fun, and interesting. Uh, both of them have a, a lot of interesting things to say and share about the industry and so uh, it was just a delightful time together. But we also had producer prep track where we had uh, four sessions ranging in the, the neighborhood of two to three hours. They were workshops. Uh, as you know, you did one laying the groundwork and, and talking about sort of the state of the industry. Uh, we had Academy Award winner Scott uh, Cameron Smith gave a talk about entrepreneurialism and many factors that lead to success or failure uh, in the industry. I gave a, a workshop on negotiation and then today we had uh, two short workshops, what I'd call more toolkit oriented, providing people insights and tools around both legal, the legal aspects uh, of what, what's going on in the industry and what people need to know as they produce and release their projects. And the other one's around financing, which I think is something that all of us are thinking about and are concerned about uh, as we go from one project to the next, wondering where's it gonna come from. Now you've been to a few of these ITV Fests. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience uh, over the years with ITV Fest, how it's changed? So my first year at ITV Fest was the first year uh, that it moved here to Vermont, and um, it, it was lovely. Um, I think what we've seen is Philip Gilpin Jr., uh, who moved the fest as the executive director and producer of the festival, has really streamlined uh, the experience, has streamlined where, where the, he's putting uh, his money, uh, so that it's creating a much, uh, a much I wouldn't say more valuable, but it is a more valuable experience. It's creating a much more engaging experience for the people who attend, uh, whether it's you know being able to get to more screenings or see more uh, panels or get to workshops. And uh, th you know this year there's a lounge tent where people were showcasing different kinds of devices. Uh, and different kinds of technology that, that um, uh, really just a, a, a wonderful festival. Okay, and we talked about the IWTV um, track. For those people who don't know, can you tell them a little bit about the IWTV? Yeah, so the IWTV is a members organization uh, open to folks involved in 
Um, typically new media, uh, whether they're on the production end, uh, actors, uh, directors, writers, um, or anyone in the crew. And it is designed uh, to help foster growth in the community and for its members, uh, as well as putting on an annual award show. And we're very excited about that. All right. Well, where can everyone find you and your work online? Uh, probably the easiest place to find my work online is at saxonmills.com, S-A-X-O-N-M-I-L-L-S.com. Um, and that's sort of a repository of some, some of my sizzle reels and, and things like that. Um, and uh, so that's probably the best place to begin. If you want more, you can contact me through the website, and I'll be happy to send you more stuff. All right. Well, thanks for chatting with us. Thank you. Hey everyone, this is Marks again up at ITV Fest, and right now I am joined by Don Schechter. And your project is? The Ascendance Anthology. So what's your project about? So my project, The Ascendance, takes place in the near future when proof of the afterlife creates a corrupt dystopia. And basically science has, quote, seemingly proven that there's the existence of an afterlife, but only for a small percentage of the population. So that's sort of the landscape of the, in the mythology of the show. The anthology we have here at ITV Fest is basically three short films, sort of like the Twilight Zone, where they're each discrete stories that take place in the world of, of Ascendance, um, and they all kind of dance around a main storyline. And I'm here basically to uh, show everyone the, the anthology and to try and get some interest in, in producing uh, a two-hour pilot that I created a number of years ago. Sounds really good. Um, what have you thought of ITV Fest and is this your first year here? So ITV Fest is great. This is actually our third year here. We screened the first one uh, three years ago or so, the first uh, basically short film in the series. We came back last year and this year we showed the third one. And it's great because there's just random people just run into the woods and, and giggle. Um, and it's a really <laughs> low-key event. Um, so it's been really good. They've been really uh, great to us. Um, Philip, the festival director, has been great. He's been very supportive. He set up meetings uh, with executives for us, and they've really been really helpful trying to get us uh, out there and seen. Oh, that's awesome. What other projects have you done recently, or has this pretty much consumed your whole life, pretty much? So <laughs> this has consumed my life for quite some time. Um, my day job is running a company called Charles River Media Group in Boston, and so we do uh, commercials and corporate marketing productions and that kind of pays the bills so that we can fund you know big epic sci-fi like this um, so I think it was probably six years ago that I first conceived of this storyline um, or at least an idea a little nugget of the story and it took me a couple years to develop it and then thinking that I would write this two-hour film at the time and then I would go ahead and produce it because I have crew and equipment and studio and then I looked at it and said oh I can't I don't I'm, a, I'm short a few tens of millions of dollars to make this big sci-fi film and so over the last um, four or five years or so, I've developed this anthology to help to both make you know these short films based on the world, but also to help develop that feature film and really refine what the story is. And so we've been fortunate to have a volunteer cast and crew of over 100 people in Boston to create um, these short films. We're on our fourth one now. Actually, here at the town of Dover, they awarded us a grant last year to come up here and film. So they've been really great with the festival as well. And um, yeah, so it's been it's been sort of you know my side and full time obsession. It's great. It's great. Where can people find you or or any reference to Ascendance online? Yeah, sure. So our website is Ascendance with an A, not the George Clooney Descendants. Um, <laughs> ascendancethemovie.com. Although now we're leaning towards a series, but it's Ascendancethemovie.com. 
we're Ascendance Movie on Twitter, and we actually have these first uh, three short films up on Vimeo on demand at um, Ascendance the Movie, I think. Oh, great. Yeah. Check those out for sure. All right, well, thank you very much. All right, thank you. Hi, I'm George Strayton, screenwriter of Hercules and Xena Warrior Princess, and you're listening to Genretainment. Big thanks to the ITV Fest team for inviting me to the festival this year, and to everyone I interviewed for taking the time to chat with me. Now, if any of those projects sound interesting to you, or if you might have a project you want to submit to ITV Fest, be sure to check out the show notes for links to everything we mentioned. Before I go, I want to remind you that you can always keep track of us by subscribing to us on iTunes or Stitcher, or by following our Genretainment Facebook page, my Twitter account, which is at Mr. Marks, our website at genretainment.com, or follow all the shows at scifipulseradio.com. We'll be back soon with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series. Genretainment's production of Alien Jungle Bug Productions. Until next time. <laughs>